really important to, to a, communicate properly. A, and it's that commitment, I think that's another thing. When you, when you do communicate, it's the commitment and the actions behind the words. I think that's just as important as well as good communication. It's actions behind the words. And I, I'm big on doing exactly what I say. If I say I'm gonna do something, I'll do it, or I'll come back with a good reason why. So I think that action and commitment behind that communication is really critical as well. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts. Business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Hey, hello everybody and welcome Metalworking Nation. This is Jim here from Making Chips. And today we are coming to you live from Fairlawn, New Jersey. We are at the Sandvik Coromont headquarters. Uh, we have a special VIP guest in the studio today, and uh, we're going to bring him on in just a minute. But uh, I would like to introduce my good friend and my co-host of Making Chips for the last 70 episodes. And uh, Jason, say welcome. Hi. How you doing, Jim? I'm good. I'm in a good mood. I'm amped up. and We're uh, having a great time here on the East Coast. We... Uh Spent a little time last night in um, in Manhattan, in New York City, so it was fun. Yeah, you you experienced it for like one of the first times ever. Well, huh? yeah, I was I was in New York City about twenty years ago for about that was a long time three ago. hours, and then I got to spend another three hours last night, and so I think by the time I die, I'll have spent an entire <laughs> day in New York City <laughs> cumulatively together. So I don't know why I've just never really spent too much time there. My wife has always done a lot of business in New York City, but I've and she loves it, and I've just I've never. Never spent a lot of time there. So I'd like to actually make it back for the U.S. Open sometime. Yeah, So that's my goal. Great. Yeah, yeah. Well, we uh, got to come back here again. Yes, that good, would be all great. All good people here at uh, Sandvik. Absolutely. Anyway, I just want to, before, before we get into the uh, episode and we introduce our guest, I want, I want to share, as we always do, some relevant manufacturing news that I happen to see. You know, as I peruse the Google manufacturing news like I do weekly, I came across an article on money.cnn.com about this Mitchell Lace. It's a shoelace manufacturing company in Portsmouth, Ohio. And they've been around for like 100 years. And of course, as shoe manufacturing became more competitive and they lost out to the overseas market and the competitive advantage that they had, there was three people that were in the company and they saw it flailing and decided, or failing and flailing, that uh, they would take ownership of the company and just add their own vibe to it and just bring it back. And they've gone from actually 15 employees at their lowest level back up to 50. I guess at one time this area in Portsmouth was a, a big hub for manufacturing. It was uh, the shoe capital of the United States? It was a shoe capital okay. of the United and States. And how did they turn it around? Well, they decided that they were going to add technology and automation, their manu- their technology and automation to their their process, 
And um, I don't know, it's just a great, great article. There's actually a video attached to it that we'll have Ryan put up that I would recommend anybody that is passionate about. Shoelaces? About shoelaces, yeah. Okay. Or oh, passionate about manufacturing. Both. <laughs> okay. Both <laughs> in this particular situation. So, um, yeah, we'll it Ryan was a good video. It. it was good. It was it was very uh, encouraging, and I I really felt the the owner's passion that he had for his particular industry and for manufacturing. Yeah, general, it's great so. when you could when you could see like all the uh, people from the company really take ownership and say we're going to buy this it, company out of bankruptcy and and really make it into something new and you know use the newest technology to do that. And who would think like like you said shoelaces? It's it's crazy, you know, but that is still a relevant manufacturing process here in in the United States. So what's new with your family? Still, you know, kind of on the countdown to um, the new baby. What is is the date? Uh, Due date is July 6th, but my my wife is um, determined that she's going to be early um, simply because she's, you know, having a hard time with this pregnancy. So, you know, we're counting down the weeks. We're almost there. Yeah. Yeah. This is my, like I mentioned before, this is my last trip going out of town. So I got to kind of lay low and stay home for a while. Yeah. Gotta stay in Chicago. You better. Yeah. You better. It's you don't right. want to. You don't want to be out of town when I'm, they call, when the hospital gives you a call and says she's uh, going into labor. And, or uh, you mean when she calls me? If well, I get, if I get a call from the hospital, I'm going to be in real trouble. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Where's Jason? And you don't you don't want to deliver the baby in the car. No, no, so, no. We've no. actually had that discussion because friends yeah. of ours, um, or friends of friends, um, deliver their baby in the car, and um, you hear that. I don't. I don't want to get into the gory details because I don't know if this is the place for it. But it was quite the interesting no. story. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. I, I've I've been through three bur- live births with yeah. my own kids. Yeah, the now. husband was literally like pulling over the ca- car to the side of the road when the baby was born. Oh, so wow. yeah, if that happens with me, I'm in big trouble. Yes. So I don't think we'd see you for a while. Yeah. But I did want to share with the listeners out there what we are doing, uh, making ships and our, our brand right around IMTS, and that is uh, Tuesday, September 13th, and Wednesday, September 14th. Making Ships is going to be facilitating a mastermind series to manufacturing executives. They're going to have to apply to come and be part of this series. And we're going to be putting people in the hot seat and solving their problems collaboratively among this high-level core group of about six to eight manufacturing leaders. We're working on all the logistics of that day and the next day right now. I think it's going to be a very powerful day on that Tuesday, September 13th. It'll be at a local downtown hotel. Um, So plan your day at IMTS the day before, the day after, or maybe a couple days after. And um, we'll have all the information on our website soon. And of course, we'll be talking about it. But do you want to go ahead and explain no, the what, next what, date? Why don't you explain? I mean, I, you I, want me to explain yeah, the next yeah. date, the what workshop? Do, yeah, what are we doing? Well, you know what? I'm 14th. excited about the 14th, that there's going to be about 20 to 30 people in a room People that have been listening to the show for quite a long time, people that are excited about meeting or really getting those questions answered, those those driving questions that they have that we've talked about over the last 70 episodes and help equip and inspire them to do better within their businesses and having something tangible and um, workable, when they leave that workshop that day, they're going to have a sense of the fact that they've, they've actually done it and put it on paper, and they're going to make a difference going forward. So again, uh, we're working on all the logistics right now. We should have that to you soon. But if you're going to be in at IMTS 
please spend a couple day or a, an extra day or an extra two days and take in our mastermind series and or our workshop. You're sure to walk away with some added value of attending. Absolutely. There's going to be some real value that comes out of both of those days. I can feel it already. So what else do we have going on at uh, IMTS? Well, as you know, it's September 12th through the 17th. It's coming up. It's at McCormick Place. They should be going online now. If they haven't already registered, man, they better get on right now. IMTS.com. When you're on the site, you can go to my show planner tool. And what you'll do is you'll you'll find the tool. You can plan out your entire day, your curriculum of what you want to do, where you want to go. I'm sure Sandvik's going to be there. People are going to absolutely want to go to the Sandvik booth. I don't know what if it's in the East Building or whatever, but... um, The Sandvik booth is in the West Building. They actually have probably... I mean, you walk in and it's like, boom, yellow and red all over the place. I mean, it's it's right... I mean, it's in your face. They have the primo spot, so... They do. In the West Building. Yeah, so, I mean, that's going to be available. Did you also know, too, that they offer a free shuttle service to and from Cormac Place for all the hotels that are booked within the IMTS hotel block. Did oh, that's know? great. Yeah, I mean, IMTS has a bunch of hotels that are on the IMTS website, and that's great that they have that free transportation. Yeah, it's Because it's re- that's an area of Chicago that's not as easy to kind of get around and park or anything like that. Right, so. and have your Uber app ready, too, if yep. you're, because especially in the area. I don't know if taxis are that prevalent, are they? Yeah, no, I would use the free shuttle. Yeah. For sure. So Jason, I've been meaning to ask you about, you know, what's going on at Zangers. How is your EOS series going? Oh, you please, know, please elaborate. Yeah, I'm sure the listeners want to know because it's been quite some months when you said you were implementing that. Okay, yeah. So into your business, just to go back, I mean, we're we're implementing a um, a business system at Zangers, and it's going really well. I mean, um, we're just any fu- success stories yet. We've hired several people over the last, um, I don't know, couple couple weeks, and we actually got some feedback from some of those people that we were interviewing. They actually said we actually see so and so. Well, actually, I'll just be specific. One of the gentlemen that we that we interviewed and we actually subsequently hired, he mentioned us. He's like, you know what, Tim who I met when I first walked into your company, he really went above and beyond for me when um, when when I came into the company and I and, and um, I stepped foot through the door. And so that was just great to hear because going above and beyond is one of our core values and we really want to make sure that we that we hit that home. I mean when you're so obviously he made an indelible impression on exactly, that person. Exactly. And exactly. the the culture of your company really yeah, shines cause, through. Because I mean the culture of your company is very important and, and you know we've been in business for sixty years. Wow. And you know so we have a culture it's just that at this point we're trying to define it and make it obvious to everybody and make sure that all of the people that come to zangers are going to embody those core values and we've made some poor i mean every company does you make poor hiring decisions and right. you know i would say that it's always a matter it's hard of to your get culture. it right all the time yeah it's hard to get it right you all typically the time. don't make hiring decisions and the person that you hire does not have the technical skills that they that they require for the job it's usually a matter of that they just don't fit culturally yep. and they don't carry the same values as um, the company wants to portray and that you want to see in your teammates so for, well for, for us for us it's Very all well about being in a working environment where everybody can really enjoy where they're working and really customers come in and they are able to see, hey, this is a great place to work. This is a great customer service experience. And the team here is really going above and beyond for me as a customer. That's so, great. Yeah, I would say it's going really well. I wish you a lot of luck. Thank you. Thanks for sharing.
appreciate that. So what are we going to get into? So why, don't, why don't you introduce our Yeah, our, our I'm guests. looking forward to Very it. I, for I am thrilled and excited to um, be here at Sandvik Coromont today uh, and introduce Sean Holt. He is the new president at Sandvik as of January 1st, just a short, what, five months ago? Sean moved into the president's position from the VP of engineering. He has more than 20 years of engineering, business development, sales, and executive management experience. Sean is also on the board of directors at the Commonwealth Center for Advanced Machining, and I'm sure we're going to ask him a little bit more about that as we uh, get into the uh, show. But anyway, Sean, welcome. Thank you very much, Jim. You're Thank you. And, yeah. and on top of all this, Sean has an awesome accent. So this is our first, you know, <laughs> uh, non-English, or, or uh, non-English. Non-English. He, he has an English accent. Last our non-American accent. An English yeah, accent. exactly. Yeah, sure. so, Last time I checked. Yeah. So welcome to the show, Sean, and uh, congratulations on um, your, your new role at Sandvik. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Let's start with this. Jim mentioned that you're on the board of directors for the Commonwealth Center for Advanced Manufacturing. What is that? Yeah, mm-hmm. what is that? Yeah, it's really interesting, actually, uh, Jason. It's down in uh, Virginia, so it's just south of uh, Richmond. And it's a research center. Um, Basically, it's a collaboration between industry and academia. So it's sponsored in part by different industry leaders, Sambit Coromant being one of them, but then there's other companies such as Rolls-Royce, Airbus, Siemens, NASA, to name a few. There's also the collaboration with the universities. So Virginia Tech, UVA, also a part of that uh, whole working environment. And the idea is it's really to do collaborative research, to come together regardless of industry, regardless of problem, and really solve some real-life issues. So it's it's a great environment as well to nurture young talent. Sean, is it it manufacturing-centric or...? It is manufacturing-centric. A lot of the work we do, uh, particularly with Siemens, is around the digital movement. Big so hot there's a lot on systems, exactly. On yeah, yep. exactly. So there's a lot on systems, but driven predominantly by uh, manufacturing and, and surface generation, basically. Interesting. Great. So you've been at San Vicormont since 2000. So tell us a little bit about your road that you've been along to now being president of the Americas. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, for sure. And you can probably tell straight <laughs> off the bat, it's not quite a New Jersey no, you don't, you, got, don't, so. you don't have a New Jersey <laughs> No, accent. so you're right, Jason. I mean, I uh, originally from the UK, so I started my career with Sandvik uh, in England cool. in a real small village, actually, uh, called Nottingham, Shire. Yeah, the Shire. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, were just, we were talking about the Shire. At lunch, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but in, uh, in Nottingham. So I started out as a sales engineer. I have an engineering background, so I came from a uh, rather large aircraft engine manufacturer. Uh, in the UK, so you can probably guess which one that may be. Yeah. Uh, and then I started with Coromant as a sales engineer. So it was really straight in, you know, working closely with customers. From that position, I progressed through different roles. I worked for Sweden for three years uh, within R&D. Uh, I've held business development roles, um, and most recently, actually, vice president for engineering prior to taking this job. So a pretty diverse and... Uh, and different kind of career within Sambic. So you, you've been in the United States since 2007, so your family, who lives here in New Jersey, mm-hmm. they, I mean, they're essentially, uh, all, they, <laughs> all they really re- remember is uh, being an American, right? 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. I have a 10-year-old daughter who was one when we moved to New Jersey, so she's very uh, very New Jersey, shall I say. Okay, sure. okay, so yeah. she doesn't have the same accent as you do. A slightly different accent. <laughs> slightly different accent. <laughs> both are great, by the way. I just want to say that both accents are great, but yeah, it's not... Uh, it's not so much an English accent that's, anymore. That, that's great. That's great. So she, so she does celebrate the Fourth of July, and you know. Yeah, she does celebrate the Fourth of July, as do I, <laughs> <laughs> Jason. <laughs> uh, as, as you could, as you could tell, you know, Sean is. You know, we've had some great conversations over lunch, and Sean is a, um, a great guy, and just you know, we really enjoyed you know having that those conversations about mm -hmm. family and mm -hmm. you know, just how how that's your family's adjusted here exactly. Yeah. Yeah, okay. um, so. Making chips, our, our primary focus is to equip and inspire manufacturing leadership. So the one thing that we, we want to talk about on a regular basis is what, what makes a, a great manufacturing leader. So from your perspective, you've worked from the shop floor, you've traveled around the world and, and had different roles. What do you see as what defines a great manufacturing leader? I mean, I think a, a good leader, whether it's manufacturing or whatever industry you're in, has certain traits. And, you know, we can all say integrity, openness, honesty, all, all these kind of buzzwords. Yep. I think for me, there's kind of three key areas. Uh, one for me, which is a good leader, particularly in manufacturing, because dependent on what industry you work in, it's a pretty cyclical business. It certainly has its ups Touché. and downs. Yep. Yeah, so we've I talked think, about that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So I think for me, you know, being tenacious is really, really important. You know, sticking to your guns, if you like, and really, really focusing on the end goal and going through the bad times. You know, it's easy to be a leader in good times. I think what makes a really good leader is when you lead in turbulent times. And if you're in manufacturing, you've all had turbulent times for sure. Yeah, we have. And, and yes. I, th I think that that's a great, I mean, that's a great point. And that's I know great. for me, I've been in the manufacturing industry for a little bit less than 20 years. And I feel like I've spent like, 70% of my time in the bad times mm -hmm. and in those tough times. Oh, is that times, how you feel? I, I feel that way, yeah, because I feel like before I came into the manufacturing industry, I don't, I'm not saying mm -hmm. it's like my fault or anything, but um, <laughs> it, everything was just, you know, going great guns and everybody was busy and there was never any issues with, you know, recessions in manufacturing. But, uh -huh. you know, since about um, the late 90s, it's, it's been challenging. Mm -hmm. and, yes. and you're right, having that tenacity to work through that is, mm -hmm. is, is so important. Mm -hmm. um, so when, when you say the, the tenacity to, to, you know, just kind of stick to your plans, are you talking about like a vision for the company and making sure that you, you really push that and make sure that your team is sticking to, sticking to that vision, mm -hmm. being tenacious mm -hmm. to achieve that? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you have to have a strategy. You have to have an end goal. Uh, and regardless of what's happening in the industry, you always have to continue along that path. You know, you don't want to get derailed. It's very, very easy in tough times to get derailed away from your strategy. So I think that strategy is really important, but equally as important is the ability to adapt to change quickly and make quick business decisions. You know, if you are in manufacturing, aerospace today, as we all know, is booming. You know, and I think... We see a lot of oil and gas companies which are making that change now because of the situation in the oil batch is that now they start to look and, and to diverse and the successful companies are the ones which can change quickly yep. and leaders need to adapt to that really, really quick. Okay. So I guess at some point, aerospace could soften up as well. So you have to make sure that you're not over-investing in, in a particular industry either, I would say. Yeah, for sure. I mean, aerospace is another one of these cyclical industries. You know, it's riding the crest of the wave now and probably will do in the short-term future, but eventually it will see a slowdown. 
And, you know, I, I think that's from, a, from my own personal perspective is something which I work really hard with Coromant is to diversify into all industries, if you like, and not put all your eggs in one basket. Right. You know, the oil and gas situation is a really good example. If you're overexposed in oil and gas, you're really, really feeling it this year. You so really we try are. and work automotive, aerospace, oil and gas, all the all the key industries. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure that the applications that you that you um, accomplish in aerospace is also going to help you out in the the oil and gas or in the automotive or mm-hmm. you know in in the military applications and all those. Oh yeah, I mean for sure. I mean the, the materials today are kind of changing, and you think you know automotive and aerospace have absolutely nothing in common. It couldn't be really further from the truth because now I think aerospace are learning a little bit from automotive when it comes to automation and robotics and things like that. They're really getting there. And I think equally, automotive's learning from aerospace when it comes to advanced materials. So there's a lot of sharing between the segments for sure. Sean, you mentioned strategy, and I think that's that's such a strong statement, and it gets very powerful, and it's it's important. Would you like to share with us and our listeners a little bit about what Sandvik's future strategy is? Mm -hmm. I know you talked about diversification Mm -hmm. among the industries and and how important that is, but what other high-level strategies is Sandvik Cormont putting into place that um, would be helpful to our listeners in in, in their own businesses and and helping equip them for, Mm. for, for the world ahead? Yep, yep. I mean, I think our strategy or, or business model, if you like, Jim, has always been pretty much the same. You know, I always say, and we have a saying within Sandvik, if we manufacture pens, we teach people how to write. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of our go-to-market strategy or business model is that technical, high-level kind of support. And that won't change. We, we invest very heavily in our people and our customer. You know, we, we try and train, we try and get the best out of our people, but also try and train and develop our customers. And I think that's critical. I think that's what really differentiates mm-hmm. us from, from other companies. I can see that. It's it, it's obvious. Yeah. Uh, and we also, you know, we work very hard on the R&D side, you know, bringing out new products. So that's, that's a big area which we certainly invest in. And like I've said before, the, the people, the people and the customers are what's key for, for Sambit Coromant moving forward. That's great. So going back to the the characteristics of a, of a manufacturing leader, you mentioned that that number one characteristic would be tenacity. What 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 else? Yeah, I think tenacity. I think the uh, ability to inspire people is really yes. critical. You know, and a company. When I took this role, I went around the country addressing different areas within Sambit Coromant, and I always said that you know I'm one person. And I will never make Sambit Coroman the success on my own. So I think it's that investment in people which is a true leader and inspire people to do well. I mean, we all know we have to make tough business decisions sometimes, but we also know that you know we have to keep that energy up within the organization. And I think that's really critical. And again, particularly in manufacturing. Yeah, that's very true. I think it goes back to, you know, everybody's unique abilities are important, but nobody's unique ability is so important that they that they're not indispensable and that's where you have to you know even you as mm-hmm. you know the president of the company you have to be able to inspire that in other people and not that you're going to be the the entire ship that's running i mean you need everybody needs to play their role yeah exactly it's really key okay so what would be that third the third one uh, i mean for me is communication you know and, and i think we all say how important communication is, just like we all say, you know, how important integrity and inspiring strategy, people are, strategy. Yeah, yeah. But communication for me is critical. What does it mean to you 
What do, I mean, what does it mean to you when you hear that word? What, what is the first thing that comes into your head when you think about corporate communication and, and um, strategizing that? I think what you can't do, to be honest, Jim, is you can't give out enough communication. I think okay. it has to be the right type of communication, but people have to understand what's happening. So, so for me, it's being clear, it's being concise, and it's being open. And consistent. And consistent. I think a consistent message is really, really important as well. You know, we all know, as I've said before, that we go through turbulent times in manufacturing, but keeping that consistent message and being clear so that everybody understands what the business decisions are, the direction of the company, I think it's really key. Yeah, I mean, there's always the old adage to, you know, communicate, over-communicate, and over-communicate. Yeah. Jim was asking me earlier about the business process that we're going through as a company, and we're, you know, defining our vision and, just as importantly, our values as a company. And you can't just state something once. Right. Sometimes when you're when you're in a role as, as like, a manufacturing leader, and you say something and you assume that everybody heard it, because mm. you heard it. Yeah. But... They don't necessarily hear it until you, you've said it exactly. 10 times, 20 times, and it's really important to, exactly. to communicate exactly. properly. And it's that commitment. I think that's another thing. When you, when you do communicate, it's the commitment and the actions behind the words. I think that's just as important as well as good communication. It's actions behind the words. And I, I'm big on doing exactly what I say. If I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it, or I'll come back with a good reason why. So I think that action and commitment behind that communication is really critical as well. That's great. That's great. Okay, so so taking it back to cutting tools in, in particular, where, where do you see cutting tool technology going in the future? I think for me, and it's probably not something that's not been happening over the last couple of years, you know, it's gone of the days where it's about the cutting tool, to be honest. You know, that point of differentiation between a product is getting smaller and smaller. You know, the technology... I wouldn't say it's plateaued. You know, we, we still invest in new technology, but the technology is pretty close. Everybody is now. advancing their Every, Everybody's yes. advancing. Everybody has great Grades, coatings. coatings. You know, you, you always strive to be the right. best. Somebody tweaks really their good. geometry a little bit. Right. But, yeah. They exactly. add a couple more degrees. Yeah. Into yeah. It. yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. They, they do an extra layer of coating. Yeah. yeah. Another yeah. edge. Yeah. You another know. edge. Yeah. Another wiper. Right. You know, whatever the case may be. Right. So I, I, I hear you, Sean. I do. And that's where I don't think the big leaps are necessarily going to come from. And that's really where that's interesting Sam yeah. Corriman's changed a little bit. You know, we look at the whole value chain now. You know, we look at digital. We look at adaptive. We look at everything from raw material right through to finished product and all the services wrapped around it. Mm -hmm. You know, be it vending, yep. be it CAM programming, ease of models uh, to put into a CAM system. Mm -hmm. So it's the whole value chain, I think, where you'll see the leaps and bounds, and that's really a point of differentiation between us and our competitors. Okay, so you want to I be a part of that. I think you're spot on on that. that. Yeah, we, we're part of that. You know, like I say, you used to walk into a place and you used to put 10 inserts. When I first started in sales, you put 10 inserts down on the guy's desk and say, Here's the latest and greatest. Here you go. Go and run it. Trust me, it'll work. Great. And now, you know, it's, it's not quite like that. People look for more. People yeah. look for more. They want um, more. They want more. They and want. it's, you know, things like the skills gap and things like that. This is why they put more demand on cutting tool companies, I think, today. So you want to be a part of the CAM process and part of the vending process and exactly. like that. Exactly. We want to be part of everything, really, because that's, at the end of the day, if our customers are successful, then it's going to make us successful. So we, we want to be part of the it's whole, full, it's the full whole value chain. Full yep. spectrum. Yeah, exactly. 
you had mentioned or alluded to the skills gap, and I know among my manufacturing peers, and I'm sure you hear it all the time, that we are in a skills gap crisis right now. Mm. It is it is really really a big issue now, and they say that in the, in the next five to ten years, this industry is going to really be hitting it hard with regards to finding those skilled professionals, machinists, operators, whatever the case may be. What is Sandvik doing to help bridge that gap or be part of training um, mm-hmm. this new generation mm-hmm. or recruiting, recruiting even a new generation of machinists mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and technical people? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we work a lot with technical colleges. Okay. Uh, locally, regionally? Locally, regionally, nationally. So we have a whole network of people working on helping develop uh, some of the young talent come through. We have internship programs within Sambic, which has been really successful for us. Uh, we do a trainee program. So we bring up to 10 to 12 people in, train them, and then hopefully they end up with a career within Sambic. So there's a lot we're doing to develop it. But I think from the bigger picture, this is something I talk quite passionately about when I, when I travel is, we need to make uh, engineering sexy again. Oh, you know, honestly, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I mean, I love it. I'm I, drinking I, the Kool-Aid. For me, it's, it's, there's nothing more sexy than engineering, but I think, uh, well, <laughs> I won't say nothing more. <clears throat> but I think uh, here, you know, we, we need to get away from the old perception yes. of the dirty lathe yes. in the corner making chips and the smell of coolant because it's not like that now. It's, it's not that. like that. I mean, with the the change within digital manufacturing yeah. and everything else, this is really cutting-edge technology. And when I talked earlier about CCAM, the Commonwealth Centre for Advanced Manufacturing, this is what they're really striving to do down there, you know, is to try and make... Change the perception. Change that whole perception. You know, I, and I feel it, I mean, personally, I have a... 21-year-old son who goes to one of the best engineering schools in the country in Clemson and decided to study finance. No. Maybe that's he sees me getting up early in the morning and coming home late. I don't really know. But, he, uh, but yeah, so I think it's uh, there is an old perception of engineering. It's, it's so different nowadays. What is it that's going to change the perception of manufacturing, of engineering, so that the new the young generation, they want to go into mm-hmm. manufacturing, they want to go into engineering so that their parents say, this is a viable career path for you mm-hmm. to go down. Mm-hmm. I think a part of that is industry leaders talking about it, you know, and again, that communication. IMTS plays a huge part in that as well. We have, a, you know, the student area within IMTS, which we're really active in. And I think that's a great way to get the message out. We have a lot of schools visit our facilities. You know, we have a number of facilities across the Americas, and it's great for them to come and see and learn because the look on the kids' faces when they walk into the place and it's not the old lathe in the corner. No. And it's really cool. You know, yep. they get to play with the 3D models. Yep. They get, you know, it's like a computer game, yeah. really. You got to excite them right from the get-go. Uh, exactly. You exactly. got to grab them right at the beginning. Yeah. And then once you convince the kids, you got to convince the parents right. of the kids, right? right? Yeah. There's a high school actually um, in the suburbs of Chicago and 
they each manufacture their own lightsaber. Uh-huh. And, you know, Star Wars is really uh-huh. hot right now, yeah, and yeah. they have a lathe, and they <laughs> and they manufacture their own lightsaber. And it just gets, you know, it kind of teaches them that you can have this, you know, chunk of metal, uh-huh. and you can chip away at that, and just, you know, this beautiful sculpture comes out of it. Yeah, and I think yeah. that that's important for yeah. them to see that. And we sponsor a lot of projects like that, actually, with... Uh, with different organizations and schools and institutions where we'll have a competition to design the next greatest cutting tool or something like that. And it's, it's really it's really cool, actually. It's a great yeah. way to get them engaged. Absolutely. At, yeah. what, at what grade level are you starting that engagement with, Sean? I'm, I mean, I'm hearing nowadays that it's starting down at the elementary school level. I'm sure you're, you're, you're with the local community mm-hmm. colleges and maybe some of the local high schools, but has Sandvik, Cormont, entered into the you know the pre the the junior high and maybe even yeah, elementary yeah. schools to, to just try and get the kids excited at that level so by the time they are in high school that they've already made a career choice mm-hmm. that they want to they want to seek out manufacturing mm-hmm. technology mm-hmm. as a, a you know a career yeah yeah no that's important Jim. and we do we i mean we work with uh, right from the elementary school right, right. up through and, and, and past college you know it's hard to tell whether the elementary kids come for the candy or for the machining, you know that. <laughs> Maybe a little, but, but, a little yeah, bit of both. But a little bit of both, I'd like to think. But yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's great. I mean, it's uh, it's a really, really good way to get them engaged early. Yeah. And uh, you know, other than being a soccer player, this was always what I wanted to do from elementary school. So this is. What happened to your soccer career? I got an injury. Oh, you did? Oh, really? Yeah. But if you ask anybody about that, they'll all say the same. Actually, I was never good enough. It wasn't, the, it wasn't <laughs> the talent? <laughs> no, it was, it it was, was the injury of, that held I'd you I'd like back. to think it wasn't the talent, but yeah, it was the injury. <laughs> so kind of a two-part question. What do you see as the um, the biggest challenges for San Vicoramont in the future? Mm. What do you see as the biggest challenges for the metal-cutting mm-hmm. industry in, in general in the future? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd rather say opportunity. Than challenge, okay. Uh, but uh, I think there's plenty of opportunities out there, and I think here, you know, this is where you would expect a cutting tool supplier to start to talk about additive and to start to talk about laser cutting and things like that. To be honest, we work in those areas now, and I think that's where the successful cutting tool companies will be are the ones who adapt to some of these what we call disruptive technologies like additive. I don't see that as a threat. Oh, I don't either. No, I agree with you. I think one threat or one challenge coming forward would be, and I've talked about it a little bit earlier, is commoditization of the product when it comes to cutting tools. And I think that's why, again, coming back to people looking for much more than just a simple insert today and that whole value chain and support which they get from a cutting tool company, I think you have to add more now because there is a certain commoditization when it comes to the the inserts to be honest so that's that's going to be a a good opportunity to take moving forward yeah so i mean that requires people right i mean well people would be i mean obviously there's the digital aspect of Mm -hmm. um you know equipping um people to use the cutting tool technology effectively but also you need to have the people you do um and you need to be able to train those people and you know i think that that's going to be a challenge in the future as everybody's kind of fighting over the same pool yeah. of, of people out there that are that are trained and so we need to get more people through the pipeline get them trained and get them excited about manufacturing like like we keep talking mm. about mm. exactly i mean we have as many people in the background doing training and engineering work and working on projects as we do frontline sales 
the balance where it is today is complete shift from where it was maybe 10 years ago. So in closing, Making Chips, we're, we're a podcast to mm-hmm. equip and inspire manufacturing leaders. You guys actually use podcasts, the audio format, in order to communicate with your Sandvik Cormat team. Can yep. you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. We, we use all different kind of tools, and it's coming back to what I said, I think, earlier, Jason, when it comes to communication. You know, it's about using all the tools available, and podcast is one of them. And it's a great tool for us to use internally to spread the message. You know, we have probably 90% of our workforce outside of an office environment. So podcasts are a great way for them to listen in the car. You know, we have a monthly business update, uh, which I address everybody, and, you know, any issues or some positive development. It's just a great way to communicate. So we use podcasts quite a lot. Yeah, just as an internal communication. Just as an internal communication. to other people, but I think that's great. Yeah. And what a great use of time for your field staff that are, instead of them reading some kind of internal press release from you, they can listen to it in, in the car when they're driving. Exactly. So they it's a great use of time. Yeah, they get an SMS or a text link. They click on the link and the podcast. Oh, is that how you send that's it how out? We, that's how we send it out oh, to the field to, force. Through yeah. an SMS. Through really? an SMS. So they get an SMS pop-up, they click on the link. Cool. I'd like to think they listen to it from beginning to end. And well, they're they get pro- that they're, every month. They're probably going to respond more to that SMS link than they are to an email. Right. Right? Yeah. I mean, you have to change the way you communicate. I mean, being yes. an effective communicator is also changing with the times. And oh, as exactly. people are more limited on their time, they're going to download that audio file and listen to it exactly. in the car. And not only over-communicating, but finding new channels to communicate exactly. is vital. And podcast is a great way to do that. I mean, I, we, we talked about social selling just this week, actually. You know, selling through LinkedIn and Facebook or whatever, and time times are changing. I mean, really is, and, and quickly, and, quickly and very quickly. I yeah. I agree, hundred percent. Sean, thank you for being on the show. We we appreciate oh, you know yeah, your your vast awesome. knowledge and you know helping to inspire the metalworking nation with some of your keys to effective leadership. So it's been it's been great. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. It, really, it's been a sincere pleasure to have you. Have us mm-hmm. come in today and meet you and enjoyed yeah. lunch and enjoyed the the, uh, the conversation. And uh, I hope to see you again at IMTS. I hope you'll come by our booth. We're going to be broadcasting live there, and uh, we'd, we'd love to see you again and yeah. shake your hand. And maybe we can get you out to dinner one night in Chicago while you're there. That'll be great. Yeah. That'll be great. Yep. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, Jason. You're very welcome. So, yeah, you know, as I always say at the end of the show, it's – it's awesome that Jason and I are in this position that we can reach out and we, we've got the authority now to bring in high-level people to, to share their knowledge with all of us. And I know it equips and inspires me in my own business to hear and share all this, this good information that uh, we get from our peers. You want to tell the metalworking nation that doesn't know how to get a hold of us, how to get a hold of us, and sure. if they have any questions, yeah, if they I, want to reach, what if they want to reach out to uh, Sandvik Coromont? They need to go to sandvik.coromont.com, or they can call 1-800-SANDVIK. Oh, that's easy. That S- is easy. S-A-N-D-V-I-K. Correct. Right. And, Sean, I assume that you're on LinkedIn, so people can connect with you there. Yep, for sure. I'm on LinkedIn. Yep. Great. And if they want to get a hold of us, they can email call, us. Yeah, call or email. So our phone number is 312-725-0245. And we'd love to hear from the Metalworking Nation and get questions. And if there's a topic that you'd like to hear about, if there's somebody that we, we can bring on as an expert, we'd love to know about that. We'd love to get that question. Just call us and, and leave a message. 
and also we're available on LinkedIn as well and via yeah, email. Yeah, with us. I, I know mm-hmm. I get a lot of requests and uh, a lot of people communicate with me for making ships through LinkedIn as well. So if you've got a good question, we'll certainly put you on the show and get you some recognition. Also, we're on SoundCloud, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Yep. Yeah, that one too. With that, bam. Bam. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear, and we'll see you next time on Making Chips. Oh, 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 oh,